Welcome to Don't Give Up on Testicular Cancer, where cancer survivors, caregivers, and others touched by cancer share their stories. The Max Mallory Foundation presents this podcast in honor and memory of Max Mallory, who died at age 22 from testicular cancer. I'm your host, Joyce Lofstrom, a young adult and adult cancer survivor, and Max's mom. Hello, this is Joyce, and with me today, I have Michael Acosta, and Michael received his testicular cancer diagnosis at age 17, and he's going to tell us more about that, but he was a junior in high school in Texas, so shocked and scared, he managed to go through surgeries and chemo, and ultimately, he's now helping other young men with the same diagnosis and meet some of the challenges that he did as well. So, Michael, I'm so glad that you could join me today. Absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me. So I always like to start the podcast just to learn more about my guest and his diagnosis with testicular cancer. So I want to ask you, Michael, that same question. Share your story with us as much as you would like to let people know. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, I was diagnosed with testicular cancer at 17 years old. Um, I'm 28 now for reference. I just celebrated 11 years cancer-free here last month. Um, oh, that's wonderful. Thank you. Basically, kind of how it started. Uh, so I was a baby. We were kind of going through and looking at the records here, and uh, the best that we can come up with was I was around one to two years old when one of my testicles never descended, so that was removed removed when I was a baby, and so I went through you know the the next you know seventeen years with one, and kind of how it all started was uh, January of two thousand and ten. I was playing basketball. I was in a church league with some friends, and I kind of went up for you know went up for a rebound and, and came down and just like just crumbled to the floor. And so, you know, immediately I thought, I thought I pulled something in my groin. So I sat out okay. and, and, you know, kind of let it, you know, iced it and put some heat on it. And the swelling went down and I was like, cool, you know, that's good. We're solid. And, you know, come to find out uh, probably, gosh, around, I'd say maybe late February, um, early March, I noticed in my scrotum was just a mass. And it was probably, I would say, the size of, oh, maybe a tennis ball, just for reference. And so I kind of I told my parents, I was like, you know, something's not right. I got to go to the doctor. So they took me into the doctor and the doctor, originally they thought it was a, it was a hernia, a, a major hernia. So, you know, they sent me off for tests and, you know, one of the tests and, you know, to this day, one of the tests that they gave me was, was a pregnancy test. Which, you know, I thought was just, I mean, this whole process, you know, imagine being 17 and you're, you know, yes. you're just like trying to figure all this stuff out. So, you know, did the did an ultrasound and I went back to school that day. It was uh, March 20, March the 26th of 2010. And I went back to school. It happened to be student appreciation week and at, at my high school. And so we're sitting there in the pep rally in the gym and they had just auctioned off. <laughs> I remember the day clearly. They had just auctioned off a Best Buy gift card. And, you know, I was a little bit of a video gamer, you know, kind of back in the day. And I was like, you know, and they, and they called my name like simultaneously, like right when they announced the gift card. So I was like excited. I was like, yeah, I won the gift card. Now I didn't win the gift card. Instead, I won a trip to the doctor's office. So wow. I, you know, I had to go meet my parents in Arlington, Texas, which is about a half hour from where I live. And, you know, was there, I go in and I sat there in the room, you know, my parents were there next to me. And that's when the doctor gave me the cancer diagnosis. And I remember yeah. just like sitting there, I was just stunned. And, you know, my mom, uh, my mom started crying and my dad was trying to hold it together. And I just like, I was numb. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know 
you know, it was just like, I thought it was a bad dream. I was like, you know, any day I'm going to wake up now and, and, you know, everything's going to be good. Everything's going to be golden. Well, as the doctor kept talking, I realized it wasn't, it wasn't a dream. And I lost it right there in the room. I, I, I started bawling because, you know, oh when you hear, God. when you think of cancer, you think of death. And yes, that's true. So, you know, I sat there and I was just, you know, I have my whole life ahead of me. You know, I have like, I got college, I've got a career, I've got, you know, dating, <laughs> Uh, you know, I've just got like all this stuff and, you know, just like, just comes crashing down in front of me. So I remember I had to excuse myself from the room because like, I just, I couldn't be in the room. So, you know, I kind of, I like, I gathered up, you know, like gathered myself and and walked back in the room and, you know, they, they ran some more tests just to make sure, but they were, you know, 99.9% sure that's what it was. So I went back, I had, I had surgery on April fool's day of all days and my sister's birthday, 2010. You know, I, I returned, I went to school, uh, I think I missed like maybe two days. Actually, I think I had it on a Friday and I went back to school that Monday or something like that. I was just, you know, I was ready. And I remember, you know, waking up from that surgery and it was just the most excruciating pain that I had ever been in. And I immediately, I mean, it was just, I was ready to give up like right then. I didn't even care. I didn't want to go through chemo. I just, I was done. Like I was just ready to give up and, and just live out, you know just live out my time basically but it was you know my mom because i couldn't drive uh because of the pain you know the surgery the incisions and stuff so right before you know my mom took me back to school and she sat me down and basically just like she told me that you know that this was just like a temporary setback and you know i was destined to be for so much more you know i'm destined to you know overcome this and then use my experiences to help other people and so, you know, it was just, it was a pep talk and, and, you know, it took some, it took a lot, but, you know, I just, again, I just, I gathered myself and, and I went to school and, you know, there was, uh, it was weird facing my friends, honestly, because I knew they were going to ask questions. You know, I kind of, I told my mom to like, just tell my teachers and to have my teachers tell my, my friends and classmates, just because it would probably save me the time for me, the crying or you know, whatever. So, you know, they told me and everybody was just super supportive and, you know, wanting, willing to do whatever it took to, to help me get, to help get me through this. So we go through, you know, we go see the oncologist. Um, I was, so since I was 17, I was still, I just made the cutoff to be in a children's hospital. Well, the only drawback of that was I was the biggest child in that hospital. So they had to <laughs> bring in a special bed just for me. Cause I was so tall, you know, come to find out we were talking to the oncologist and the oncologist said that, you know, with undescended testicles, it puts you at a higher risk for cancer, which was news to me, was news to my parents. Right, right. And it's just kind of like, okay, so, you know, did we know this 20 years ago or 17 years ago and nobody told us or was it just, you know, we didn't have the medical knowledge back then? So, I mean, it was just kind of, I mean, there was obviously, there was nothing we could really do. Um you know, I, I, I'm of the opinion that we probably just didn't have the medical technology back then, you know, to, to determine that. But so I went through, um, I did three rounds of chemo and those were, you know, I thought the surgery was bad. Chemo kicked my butt. And so, um, you know, from nausea, vomiting, I didn't eat. I, I dropped 20 pounds just like at the drop of a hat. Wow. And, you know, I, 
I remember being excited, you know, because my doctor told my oncologist told me she's like, yeah, you know, you you don't uh, you don't have any dietary restrictions, and I was like, yeah, you know, because I love food. So I'm just like, cool, you know, I can eat, I can eat what I want. Nope. I took one smell of the hospital food after getting like the first uh, the first dose of chemo. <laughs> nope. Mm-mm. I mean, I couldn't eat anything with a smell, so I mean, I was stuck with like you know just dry, you know, not uh, non perishable foods. So I went through the three rounds of chemo, and and uh, you know, I think the hardest part for me was losing my hair, and okay. you know, it started falling out, um, you know, pretty much almost immediately, and you know, I remember because I went to school in between in between rounds of chemo and you know, they had offered me to go on a homebound program. And I said, absolutely not. I said, you know, I want to be at school because to me it felt like, okay, if I went on a homebound program, people thought, you know, people were going to think I wasn't telling them something or, you know, they were going to think, you know, it was a little more severe. So I said, absolutely not. I said, I'll do whatever it takes. I said, I want to be at school when I'm not in the hospital. So I did three months of chemo each five days. Um, So I did, uh, five days on, sixteen days off, and so yeah, I went back to school, and um, you know, my friends were super supportive. My teachers, uh, my teachers were the real MVPs, uh, to be one hundred percent honest. You know, they they came early, they stayed late for me, and you know, they helped me. They helped me graduate. Uh, they helped me finish my junior year on time. They helped, and you know, it was because of them I was able to graduate on time with my friends. So at the end of the third round of chemo, uh, I suppose I should, I don't think I mentioned, I did have stage two uh, testicular cancer, meaning okay. the cancer spread to my lymph nodes. And to, or, I'm sorry, it spread to my lymph nodes in my abdomen. <clears throat> so at the end of the third round, you know, we ran tests and they discovered that the mass was still there. So I basically, oh. I had two options. I uh, could either, I could leave the mass in there and hope that it was dead cancer cells, or I could have... Uh, what they call it's it's RPLND, but it stands for a retro retroperitoneal lymph node dissection, which I couldn't say eleven years ago, but now it just rolls right off the tongue. <laughs> <laughs> so, what age does for us, right? Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I had uh, well, what was funny was because at that time, you know, RPLND wasn't. It was more common. I found out in in Europe. And it wasn't as common here in the U.S. I mean, there wasn't a lot of surgeons that were uh, that did it. Um, That's correct. Yeah. So you know, I we kind of found we found a couple. We found we actually found one in Arlington at the same hospital where I had my um, oreectomy, the testicle removal. And you know, wasn't it was a nice guy, but I just I wasn't feeling his vibe because like he was he was talking about cutting into me like eight different places. You know, I would have felt like the the guy from Operation, the game, the board game Operation. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I kind of was like, "Mm, you know, no, not, no. (laughs) You know, we'll keep looking. And, you know, I, we actually, we found a guy at uh, UT Southwestern in Dallas. And he was, you know, he was just like really calm, like really straightforward. He was like, yeah, you know, this is what's going to happen. We're just going to cut you here. And then, you know, we're going to take it out. Well, we we thought about getting a third opinion, which would have meant going to uh, U.S. No, uh, MD Anderson, uh, the in Houston. Right. So, uh, you know, but I was just like, you know what? I mean, I'm I'm honestly I'm tired of dealing with this. So I was like, let's just do the one in Dallas. You know, it'll be good. I like the guy. I mean, it'll be good. 
so we went and did um well i suppose i should mention that you know during all this time i was in boy scouts and i was working on obtaining my eagle so right before i went into surgery the second time i finished up all my stuff for eagle and i was able to get my eagle um i believe it was four days before surgery so I had surgery on July the 31st of 2010, and I believe I got my ego. I think it was July 27th. So, you know, what better time when, you're, when you can't do anything, <laughs> yeah. you know, to like actually buckle down and finish up, you know, what you need to do so you can get your ego. So I went in, uh, I got my, got my surgery and was in the hospital for a week. Um, so they could monitor me and come to find out while I was in surgery, they, the, the cancer had lumped onto my aorta so they had to call in uh what turned in what should have been about a four to six hour surgery turned into a 10 hour procedure oh my because they had to call in a vascular surgeon to come in and remove the mask uh because it latched onto that aorta well so they also and of course you know when you're removing cancer cells nothing can be easy and the uh the mask was at the back of my abdomen so we're talking we had to move my liver out of the way my colon all those major organs out of the way. So finally, uh, they got me out of surgery in recovery. I go home after about a week with the worst stomachache I've ever had. And again, it, it made the, the pain after the oreectomy, it made that seem like a cakewalk. I mean, it was, it was rough. <laughs> oh, it had to be with it, with everything they had to do. Oh yeah. It was just, I mean, I, oh, and they, you know, they had a physical therapist come in and try to work with me and I curled up into a ball because I did not want to move. Yeah. Uh, I basically at one point the, the, the physical therapist had to physically pick me up out of bed. And, oh, uh, Michael. Oh gosh. Yeah. Oh. He was a rather, he was a, he was a really fit muscular dude. So, you know, he could do it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, um, so, uh, you know, I thought I was out of the woods. Well, I did receive, they did come to find out the cancer cells were dead. Uh, so I didn't need any more treatment. So as of August 17th, 2010, I was cancer free. I, I mean, you talk about a huge relief off my shoulders, but you know, with it, um, you know, I, I did have to spend uh, the last weekend of my summer in the hospital because I couldn't keep anything down, food or drink. They thought I had appendicitis, which, you know, would have just been icing on the cake. I just, you know, I had two surgeries in the span of three months. Yeah. And on top of that, now I get appendicitis. So they, they, you know, they were starting to prep me for surgery, but then, you know, they never did find out what was wrong with me at that point because they thought it was just, um, they thought it was just, you know, the, the effect of having all my major organs moved around. Right, that it was right. just, you know, I guess them going back in a place was irritating <laughs> or, you know, them being moved was irritating. But, uh, you know, honestly, you know, I think a lot of people and I think my goal with with doing this is just is to let people know, yeah, you know, when you're cancer free, like it's great. I mean, it's, you know, a huge weight that's right off your shoulders, but it's just, the you know, there's a lot of things that people don't think about when it comes to life after cancer. And that's honestly like, that's my goal with this podcast is to educate people on like, you know, the, the after effects and, you know, what we still struggle with. You know, I don't think it matters whether you're a day, a year, 20 years, whatever, you know, I think it's something that you're going to hold on to for the rest of your life. No, I agree. I've, I've had cancer six times and there's always that 
feeling in the back of your mind, it's like, what's next? Or, you know, things that you think about. And I just want to say one thing, listening to your story is both you and your mother. I mean, your mother who sat you down and said, this is just, you know, it's temporary and it's a one thing you have to get through. But then you, you're a strong young man. I mean, to be in high school and I don't blame you. I would want to go back to school too, but I mean, to go through all of this and, you know, be able to do that and be with your friends. And I, I just think that you deserve a recognition for that because that would, I think have been a very difficult thing to do. Um, yeah. It was especially hard, you know, when, when my hair was falling out and, and, you know, I'd be sitting there, I'd just be writing something on my paper. I'd go to turn my head and then turn my head back and, oh, there's a clump of hair on my desk. Oh, gosh. Oh. <laughs> so, and, you know, eventually, like, you're trying to, like, move your hair around so to, like, cover up the, you know, sudden bald yeah. spots you've got. And then it's just like, oh, my God, I'm running out of hair. I can't cover up the bald anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, well, I mean, I think when, yeah, when, I, when I came to school one day after having it shaved, I just had him shave it all the way off because I was tired of dealing with it. I think that was when, you know, it was, I think that's when it became real for a lot of people. And not saying I didn't think, they didn't think it was real before, but I think it's just, you know, obviously, you know, you associate like baldness, you associate like sickness, you know, you just associate all that stuff with cancer. And then, you know, suddenly, you know, you see me one day with hair and then the next day you don't. Right. Right. And I just want to talk, touch on one more thing. And then I really want to talk about what you said about what comes after yeah. you survive cancer. Absolutely. Because I know, you know, my son Max had the same condition as you did. He was born with one testicle. Um, and they told us he had surgery too. He's probably about a year old, but they said, oh, it's not there. Don't worry about it. Well, it was there. And that's how he wound up with cancer, you know, when he was 22. Um, and I think your question on what why didn't they say something like to your family uh, or to us? And you're a little bit older than Max, just a couple of years, but I don't know. I don't know if they knew back then yeah. um, if, if being born was one being born with one testicle was major at higher risk for testicular cancer. I think that's a really good question. Um, so I just want to say that because I think that that's something too, we should emphasize here is that if you're listening and you have, you were born with one testicle, you know, pay attention. So, right. I mean, but let's get on to what you were talking about. Now you're cancer free 11 years mm -hmm. and some of the things you have to uh, live with or understand in that condition. Yeah. Well, for, you know, to your point, you know, I, I do want to give a shout out to my oncologist um, here at Cook Children's, uh, Dr. Karen Albright. And she was absolutely amazing. You know, she, she was the one that told us, you know, that, you know, having one testicle does put you at higher risk for testicular cancer. And that was, you know, I mean, it was, you know, she was always very upfront with us. And um, I just, I loved her. I mean, she was, you know, I was very sad when I got kicked out of pediatric care because <laughs> I really liked her. Um, yeah. But, you know, honestly, you know, now that, uh, you know, now, now to answer your original question, um, after cancer, it's, you know, I, and I never really, I guess it never really hit home for me because I've always been, you know, I've always tried to be like a positive guy. You know, I always, right. um, you know, really upbeat, funny, outgoing, you know, that's always like who I've always been. And, you know, I was, um, I recently joined forces with, uh, the testicular cancer foundation. Uh, they're based out here in Austin and, 
you know, we were at a summit in Las Vegas in April and, you know, we were talking, one of the guys was talking and, um, you know, the best way he put it was, was PTSD. Yes. And, you know, I never, you know, every time I hear, you know, you always hear PTSD, you know, I always associated PTSD with, uh, you know, our, our military and, you know, them in combat. But I never really associated it with testicular cancer or with cancer. And, you know, the thing about it is, was, you know, when I got out of, when I got out of remission and, um, I had to go see an endocrinologist cause I'm on testosterone treatments for the rest of my life. And, you know, I tell you what, this, this testosterone regimen, it's just been, you know, we're, we're in year 11 now and it's, I think it's probably been the hardest struggle you know, for really? me personally, because, yeah. you know, it's trying to find, you know, obviously my body doesn't produce testosterone, doesn't produce any of that stuff normally anymore. And I, um, it's just been, you know, trying to find, trying to find doctors, um, a, that, you know, I had one doctor that, you know, she didn't really seem to care or I didn't get the, I didn't get the feeling that she cared because like I would right. tell, because they, they originally started me out on Androgel, which is, you know, a gel and it goes on your, your arms. Um, you know, you rub it in and I just, I knew it wasn't working because, you know, and almost, I guess the best way I could, it's almost like having roid rage, like being on steroids and have it because, you know, your mood drops, you know, you feel, um, you know, your mood drops and you get angry and, you know, you have these like really, really bad mood swings. And that was the okay. worst part. And it still is. And, <clears throat> you know, you, if your testosterone levels aren't right, you're, you gain weight. Um, I'm pretty sure if I look at a donut right now, I gain about 10 pounds. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Because, yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, and I've, I just recently got health insurance after not having it for a year and a half because of COVID. I lost my job due to COVID. Oh, Michael. Oh, my. So I had, um, you know, I was off testosterone treatments. Uh, you know, honestly, since like, what I mean, I'm still off of them. I'm waiting to go see a, a doctor, but I mean, I've been off of them since probably, I want to say February of last year of 2020. So, I mean, I mean um, it's just, it's been a gigantic struggle. And no, wait, 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 you, you are off because you couldn't, you didn't have health insurance, right? Correct. No, uh, we could do a whole nother show on that, but all right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry. I just, I hate that. So. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, and that stuff's not cheap. Uh, <laughs> it's, no, it's not. I know. I know. Yeah. So we, um, you know, I finally, I finally found a doctor that I like because, and he, he basically told me, you know, it's another reason why I like this doctor is because he's a hundred percent honest with me. He listens to me. Right. And he like, he wants to find a solution. So he put me on these injections and he's just like, these injections work so much better than Androgel. Like I refuse to prescribe Androgel uh, because it, and he said the Androgel, it can take like three to four months to take, to take effect. Oh my. I was like, cool. Wow. Well, I mean, that would have been helpful to know, like, because I had been on gel up until probably, I don't know, five years ago. Ugh. And so, yeah, he's just like, you know, with the injections, he said, if you take them early in the morning, they're, you know, they basically take effect almost immediately, you know, Obviously, you know, you inject in the in the thigh, uh, like the fatty part of your thigh, and it goes right into your bloodstream. And, you know, your gold, you know, provided you have the right dosage. Excuse right, me, you have right. the right dosage and everything. But, um, 
you know, and, and, and all that time, okay, here you are, you know, you're, you're dealing with the PTSD, you're dealing with the testosterone and you're also in my case, you know, you're trying to date. Yes. And dating for me has been, I don't even know the best way to describe it. Non-existent. Okay. <laughs> you know, oh. it's just kind of like, cause you know, the thing about for me was, you feel, you know, after cancer, you feel like a big part of you is taken away. You've changed. And, yes. you know, yeah, you're still the same. You know, you still try to be that same guy. Or in my case, you know, I try to still be the same guy, the same, you know, person that makes people laugh, the same person that, you know, is always there for, you know, loyal to the very end. And, you know, try to be that, try to discover who you were before cancer. But that part of you, there's a part of you that's always maybe missing gone i don't really you know it's you're you're almost it's almost like you're trying to find yourself again right because right. you know you for me you know i there was so much that i missed you know because i was either in surgery recovering you know my white blood my white blood cell count was too high i you know probably shouldn't have been socializing you know i was in chemo whatever the case may be but you know you're and you know for me there's so many there's not a lot of people, and maybe there are, and that's why I want to tell people is, you know what, if you have no, if you have no testicles at all, come find me. I mean, I've been searching for 11 years to try to find somebody that understands. And, you know, and I'm not saying that, you know, people with one, you know, yeah, they, they understand on some levels because, you know, obviously we went through a lot of the same stuff, but I mean, I don't know, to me, it's just, you know, when you have none, there's just that, it's almost that special like bond in a sense because it's like oh my yes. god you know somebody had to just because you know i don't know it's just i get really passionate really fired up when i talk about that so you know anybody out there listening like my god come find me <laughs> you know we'll like we'll talk we'll you know whatever like we'll connect i mean it'll be gold but and you know to the whole dating thing you know it's just been you know the last like 11 years or so because it's it's kind of like how do you tell somebody that you love or somebody that's, you know, maybe not even love, like. And, you know, you potentially want to have a future with that, you know, in my case, I can't have kids of my own. You know, cancer took that. It was already going to be questionable with me having one. But, you know, having that oreectomy 11 years ago, you know, took care of that. Um, but how do you, you know, that you, that you're, you know, you still, you're, you're still prone to the mood swings, to the, you're still prone to all these things. And, you know, you're not the same person. You know, you're going to have your down days. I mean, I can't tell you what a roller coaster of emotions it's been for me the last 11 years. Oh, I can, yeah, I can't imagine, but listening to you, I, I understand now what you must have to deal with. So, and, you know, I can't yeah. sleep at night because, you know, or I mean, you know, I, it's, it's restless sleep. And, you yeah. know, I wake up feeling probably more exhausted than when I went to bed. So, um, and, you know, it's, it's, uh, dating's been a challenge because, you know, you're, you know, let's say you meet a woman on one of your, you know, days that you're feeling like almost feeling like yourself again. And then you get like further on into the relationship and then your mood just drops and you're suddenly, you know, excuse my French, but you're pissed off at the world. Yeah. And, you know, you're just like, you know, you're in that depressive state and, and all this, and you really don't want to do it. And then it kind of, in my experience, it's deteriorated the relationship. And yeah. so, you know, and so, I mean, it, it was hard, you know, cause I, you know, you sit there and, 
And, you know, I'm, I'm, as a lot of my friends can attest that I beat myself up a lot. Like, you know, I sit there and I just like, I'm just like, oh my God, you know what? It's gotta be me. It's me. You know, it's me that's pushing all these people away. You know, it's me, 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 me. And so, but you know, this is why like, I mean, I'm so blessed. I mean, I've only been dating my girlfriend now for, uh, it'll be a month on Tuesday, but you know, just in that month, I mean, she's just, it's almost like she's eliminated a lot of my fears because I've, I've had, and I, I feel myself getting a little bit worse every day, like a little bit less, you know, a little more tired, a little more irritable. Um, my energy levels have just been almost non-existent. And, you know, in a job where I work, you know, over 40 hours a week, you know, you've got to, you've got to push through. I mean, you can't just be like, oh, you know, sorry, my energy levels are down. I got to go home. Right. And take a four hour nap. Now, is that something your doctor, the endocrinologist with the hormones, could that, could he is, help you with that? Or is that just kind of a side effect of taking that? No, you know, honestly, and I think it's because my testosterone and, and I, and I didn't realize because I did a lot of, a lot of research myself. And the fact that I didn't realize just how much testosterone controls. So, I mean, you know, when you're feeling, you know, these high energy, you know, if you're, you know, your testosterone levels are probably either probably too high or, you know, they're, they're in the normal range. So, but you know, when, when they're like, and honestly, mine, I'm pretty sure if you took my blood now, I'd either be at zero or maybe a negative if that was possible. Uh, But, uh, (laughs) you know, it's just. I don't know, you know, and I've always found that, you know, a lot of stuff, a lot of times, you know, a sense of humor has gotten me a long way. And, you know, right. it's just, uh, I don't know, it, it's, it's just been a roller coaster. And that's the thing, you know, that's what I tell people. It's, you know, if they're ever in a position like me, and that's the thing, I've always wanted to be a role model, because, you know, I feel like my situation is very unique, in the sense that, you know, here I am, sometimes I don't even know how I'm still functioning. Yeah. I mean, I I've gained more weight than I probably want to admit, and I know that. And, you know, it it does make working out like 10 times harder because, you know, again, you know, you gain what, you know, you feel like you retain water a lot more, water weight, and right, again, if right. I look at a donut, I gain 10 pounds. Don't even have to eat it, just look at it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, and and uh, you know, I I'm in very many 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 support groups. Um, I think the best one is, uh, this brotherhood that I found with the testicular cancer foundation. And, you know, I, um, I'm here in a, the only reason I found him was I was in my local uh, support group here in Dallas. And, um, I had seen on Instagram, one of the guys in the group that, um, uh, you know, he was diagnosed with cancer. He was a different type of cancer than mine. He had colorectal cancer. And, you know, I, I'd seen on his Instagram, you know, how he met up with a bunch of guys here in the area that had the same cancer as him. And they, you know, go out and do, they go out and do runs, you know, every week. Right. And I'm like, you know, that's really cool. So I reached out to, um, it's a social worker there at UT Southwestern and, um, she's been really great. You know, I reached out to her at the first of the year of this year and I just said, Hey, you know, you know, I see what, um, you know, so-and-so is doing with, uh, you know, his, you know, uh, cancer friends, same type of cancer that he's got. And I said, is there anything like that for this for testicular cancer? And, you know, she reached out at the top of the list was the testicular cancer foundation. And, um, I reached out to, uh, the, one of the founders and, um, him and I, he called me back almost immediately. And we had like a two hour conversation 
And oh, that's wonderful. We yeah. have uh, we have weekly Zoom calls every Thursday, and you know where we just we just check in with each other. And um, you know, he told me about the summit in Vegas. Uh, we went to Vegas in April, and it was uh, you know with COVID and everything, we took the necessary precautions. But you know, they limited the they limited limited it to fifty people, as per you know the state's um, right. guidelines, and you know, so it was kind of like. You know, I found my brotherhood and, you know, these guys, I mean, they're there, you know, these are some of my best friends and I only just met him in January, but it feels like I've known these guys for, you know, years. And so, you know, we all just met up in in Vegas and it was a, it was a weekend of, of, you know, fun, but it was also a weekend to, you know, really connect with them and educate. And yeah, I mean, you know, it's, the thing is, is, you know, I know yeah, I know I can text my friends on a whim if I need something, but like, you know, sometimes they don't really know, you know, they can, they can be there, but they, you know, it's kind of like, okay, you know, do they really understand? So, I mean, I reached out to my TC guys and I'm just like, look, I said, this is what I'm going through. And almost immediately it's like, okay, should we hop on an impromptu Zoom call? Oh, wow. That's wonderful. And, that's you know, cool. I've had to do that a few times. And, yeah, uh, you know, I think the biggest thing for me is, you know, when I first started dating my girlfriend, um, I remember hopping on a Zoom call with them. I just said, hey, you know, these are my fears. And I said, I really like her. I don't want to screw this up because of, you know, everything that I'm going through. And, you know, they really helped me through a lot. And uh, because a lot of those guys on there are married. Yeah. And, you know, they, you know, they went through TC, you know, you know, a couple of years ago or whatever, <clears throat> you know, recently. And I'm just, just like, cool, you know, just getting insight from them. And I just, I feel like a new person. You know, because of that. Oh, really? oh, that's great. They've been great, wow. and, and honestly, like all my friends, you know, for for sticking by me. You know, I think that's the biggest thing, and I don't, I don't know, I would never be able to repay that. Just the fact that I know every, I have so many people. That's what I constantly have to remind myself is, you know what, you know, and I, <laughs> I think, and even my girlfriend would probably admit this. I'm, I'm pretty stubborn. <laughs> I don't like to ask for help. Um, yeah, but. You know, it's just reminding myself, like, hey, you know, you've got a support system. Use it. Well, and I think that's important to emphasize because especially when you have cancer. Yeah. Many people don't like to ask for help in general. Right. A lot of times we need help when we're sick. And you now, like you said earlier, you just found your brotherhood. And I think they're there for help and they may reach out to you sometime as well for your insight on something. So I, I would you're lucky to have that. So yeah. I think it's, it's wonderful. So use it. I mean, absolutely. it's hard though. I know it's hard. Um, and I wanted to just also comment on a couple of things that you found a doctor that you trust and like, yep. and I think with, with testicular cancer, I think that's so important because there aren't a lot of places to go to find a surgeon as you did. You found someone that you liked and trusted, but you know, you have to find the right person to do that surgery. And um, the other thing is your girlfriend. Yeah. Um, I think all of us, you, you find the right person who accepts you. I'm not preaching to the choir, Michael, but you know, she understands you and knows you and cares about you. And a woman who doesn't want to do that, you know, forget it. I mean, you know what I mean? It's not the right person. So it's easy for me to say that, but I, I understand what you're saying with yeah. that though it's um you went through all of this at such a young age too so 
Yeah, um, there's never, you know, that's the thing. You know, and I, I always tell people, you know, there's a reason why so many people have my cell phone number. There's a reason why I make myself very available, very accessible via social media, via, via all this stuff. I have so much to offer, you know, in terms of, of it. And everybody's story is different. And I think that's what makes us all unique. And yes. so, you know, for me, it's just kind of like, you know, lean on me if you have to. You know, I, the thing about it, I don't want, you know, there were so many times I could have given up. And yes. even now, like post-cancer, I'm just, you know, I, <clears throat> I struck out a lot of times trying to fight, figure out. And I honestly, I just kind of had to weather the storm. And, you know, I, especially this last year and a half, not being able to, you know, have my injections and, um, you know, it's really just, it's just weathering the storm and, and, yeah. you know, trying not to shut, you know, I've shut down a few times. Um, you know, I, I, I can admit that I've definitely shut down a handful of times and, um, you know, it's just been my friends, my family, like everybody's pulled me out. Yeah. So, you know, good. I yeah. honestly, like, I, it's just, I got a shout out to like all of them, you know, they, they know who they are. Well, and I think too that you started at the beginning to to go for it, like you and your mom, and I think that makes a big difference too. That um, you you didn't want to give up, and it could have been very easy to do that, you know, back when you were seventeen. And so, it's hard. I mean, I think I've always never I've never been a good person to take everything one day at a time. I'm always like, oh, you know, what's next? And you got to just. And it sounds like you can do that. You yeah. just take it as it comes and it's one day at a time. So it's a cliche, but I think it's, it's very true to have to, you know, to kind of live that way. But uh, I guess the last thing I just want to ask you, so what's, what's ahead? What's next? You've you shared a lot, Michael. So you have, what's, what are you thinking? After I just said to take it one day at a time. But anyway, <laughs> so, uh, you know, honestly, you know, for me, it's just, uh, getting back on my medication for one, uh, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm very excited about that. Um, you know, very excited about that and, and just continuing to grow. You know, I think I still have a lot of room for growth. Um, and you know, I, I'm doing, uh, just strengthening the bonds that I do have. So it's, you know, with my, t with my TC guys, with my brothers, um, you know, we're actually, we're playing fantasy football, a uh, group of us. Um, so there's like what 12, 12 of us that are playing fantasy football together. Uh, so that's a lot of fun. Um, and it's just, you know, continue, continue to do stuff like this. And, yeah. and, you know, I've honestly, and I talked to my girlfriend about this, but, uh, you know, I've honestly, I wanted to try to get into motivational speaking. Okay. Uh, you know, I, and I've talked to, there's actually a guy, uh, who I've talked with, who's actually, who's also a testicular cancer survivor. Um, he lives up in, I want, I think it's Ohio. And, you know, I've kind of picked his brain a little bit and, um, you know, I, I've something I kind of want to like maybe on the side because, you know, I feel myself, I, I feel myself pulling, pulling out of this just because, Hey, I've got health insurance now, you know, I've got a really good job and, you know, I, I, I see the light at the end of the tunnel and I know obviously, you know, there, there's going to be bad days. I'm still going to have my days, but, you know, I think for the most part, you know, I'm, I'm. I'm ready, you know, I'm share my experiences to anybody, anybody and everybody. You know, I think, I think there's a lot of people that, 
and scared's not the right word that may not want to come forward, you know, for one reason or another, and that's right. okay. And you know, not a lot of people are out are as that going. You know, I consider myself unique in that aspect. Um, but you know, I just want people to know that that you know, if you ever need anything, please reach out to me. You know, I'm I'm pretty easy to find on social media, from what I've been told. <laughs> Okay. All right. That would be the best way to find you then is on social media. Yeah. I mean, you know, find me on social media, email me and call me, text me, whatever. You know, my, there's a lot of people have my phone number and that's fine. You know, I'm good with that. And, yeah. um, you know, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat. Uh, I'm on a lot of social media platforms, but, and, you know, and you, you have all my information and, and, you know, I'd be, you know, obviously feel free to give it out. I don't care. I don't mind. Um, but, you know, I think the biggest thing I've taken away from, from my experiences is I've been given a second chance. Yes. And you know what? I don't, I don't want to live my life in the dumps. Like, I don't want to be in. Yeah, you know, I'm going to have my days when I'm still in the dumps. But I want to be the positive voice for people. I want to be, you know, the positive role model. The, you know, somebody a person can turn to and just say, you know what? It's because of you I didn't give up. Wow, that's wonderful, Michael. That's a great way to, to I think, end our discussion. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I think people find Michael Acosta, and it's A-C-O-S-T-A uh-huh. uh, for people that need to have it spelled. So, um, gosh, thank you for just sharing everything yeah. with us, Michael. I, I so appreciate it. Absolutely. And I appreciate you reaching out to me, and I'm glad to have the opportunity to come on here and speak. Well, thank you. Thank you for joining me today on Don't Give Up on Testicular Cancer from the Max Mallory Foundation. Go to maxmalloryfoundation.com to learn more about testicular cancer, to donate, and send your suggestions for guests on the podcast. And join me next time for Don't Give Up on Testicular Cancer.